0: All right, here we go. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the second episode of the Chasing Grand Champ podcast. Actually, when I recorded the first one with Turtle, I didn't really have a name. So you could say this is like the actual first episode of this official podcast. And I am so excited to have this guy on. He is another RLCS. Analyst, shoutcaster, notebook guy, extraordinaire, achieves. Thank you for joining me for this little experiment. <laughs> thank you very much, Tom. It's a pleasure to
1: be on. It's been a, a while since I've gotten to do a podcast, so looking forward to get the chance to do another one. And uh, nothing makes me happier
0: than telling the world that I am terrible at this game. Oh yeah, right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. So, what what was the last podcast that you were on, and I'm shocked that other people aren't banging down the door. Uh,
1: the last podcast I was on, it would have to be Unthink's uh, podcast that, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, it's the one where like he does an interview, and then afterwards they do the panel, and they discuss all the stuff that's going on in the Rocket League scene. And I'm sorry, Unthink, but I'm blanking on the name right
0: now, but it was that one. <laughs> but enough of that chit chat about other things. If you haven't caught an episode yet, that's okay because there's only been one other one. But the focus of this as opposed to other ones, we're not going to be talking about the pro scene. We're not going to be talking about new items or updates. This is purely just about playing the game of Rocket League and chatting with different people about where they are in their game and things of that nature. So uh, Achieves, you're so knowledgeable about the game. I really enjoy all of your breakdowns. And now we're both going to have the pleasure of breaking down your game. So tell me a little bit about how you got into Rocket League in the first place.
1: Uh, so getting into Rocket League in the first place, it goes back to, uh, must be 2015. I saw some little Reddit post about, you know, some, some slash r slash Rocket League post of some dude making a backflip goal line save and a Venom and it was kind of just this passing notice that I had and I was like oh that looked kind of cool and then I didn't touch the game for another like month or so and then I was scrolling through Steam and I saw it uh, for $20 and I was like that'll be a pretty good cheap fun thrill ride and now we're 5,000 hours in <laughs>
0: wow 5,000
1: yes its it's been uh, the ever present push for for whatever reason, you know, the the soundtrack got me hooked, the gameplay got me to stay, and now I just, <laughs> I haven't put it down since.
0: Yeah, holy cow. So now, these days, uh, how much time do you spend in the game? Like, how many of those hours would you say are analysis hours and how many would you say are gameplay like lately how would you break it down
1: lately uh I would definitely say there's more gameplay obviously because we're in the off season but I have sure. been taking a, a fair amount of breaks during the off season just to sort of go and live life a little bit more and see a bunch of people I don't have a lot of time to see like my grandparents and my mom and some friends that I have so that's what I've been up to recently but yeah. In terms of like the total breakdown, it's easily got to be, I don't know, probably 4,000 of that's gameplay, and the other 1,000's probably casting, or okay. sitting there looking at replays.
0: All right, so still a lot of gameplay in there. Oh yeah, definitely. Like if, if Rocket League's
1: open, it's it's pretty good chances that I'm playing the game.
0: All right. So tell me a little bit about your history of playing Rocket League, starting from like when when you first started, how quickly did you move up the ranks? What was that experience like for you? Uh, you know, what really what really attracted to you to the game, or got you wanting to be where you're at at this point?
1: I mean, I think uh, historically, I've always been a fairly competitive person. So uh, the fact that it's a, a team based, you know, sports style type of game already appeals to a lot of things that I enjoy doing. Uh, the fact that it's a, a video game just makes it easier to, to do since you can just sit in a room and play it. But, I mean, picking it up, it was back in preseason before we really had uh, Season 1, so that was when the MMR bar still existed and oh my gosh. trying to push for Top 100 to get the Platinum Crown. That was that was really the early days. and uh, I, I think the hardest part at the start was really just getting the command... Uh, to to figure out how to fly but in before I figured that out it was just so much fun just driving around and and, you know just hitting the ball put this stupid smile on my face because it was just so fun and so uh it was really that drive to you know see how far you could push it. And after everyone and their dog saw, you know, the Cronovi montage video at the opening, it's like, wait, that's, you can do that. That's even a thing. And like, you go and watch it back now. It's like, those are the worst aerials I've ever seen in my, oh my life. Gosh. But uh, it was really that uh, first Cronovi montage that I got to watch. That's like, all right, we're going to learn how to do this. And uh, preseason happened, got to, Gold I was never gonna push for Platt I'm not that good uh and then uh from then on it's really just been the very slow steady grind of improving my mechanics I
0: suppose so talk to me a, a little bit about that um when when was the first season like when was the earliest seasons that you feel like you got to be like really good or because you sit around champ three grand champ right now mm-hmm. yeah uh the first so when season, when did you get to that point i mean
1: that point didn't happen until uh it must have been yeah it must have been season three uh that was when they did the rank recalibration for the first time and everyone got pushed up a couple uh ranks for that so i mean after preseason, season one started uh, at at that point, it was really the the most impressive thing was learning to fly. Was really that first plateau break in terms of going up and in, t- uh, in levels of skill and ability. Um, you really do, or at least at that time, you really did just blitz through, you know, bronze and silver and and gold ranks uh, after you learned how to fly, because you know people just couldn't stop you. They didn't know how. Um, and then then they did the rank reshuffle where you got like the all-star and superstar and challenger Mm -hmm. and stuff yep i was stuck in superstar in season two for i must have been nine months or something like that i i for whatever reason didn't know what to do about that uh break in my gameplay and I, i had no clue how to push past that plateau because I just couldn't figure out what was wrong. And then season three happened where they did the rank recalibration. And after I did my placement games, I immediately got placed in champ two. And I remember being so mad that I didn't get to like break through superstar and make champ. I was like, so annoying to me that I was what a jump. (laughs) Yeah. It's like they did the rank recalibration, the reshuffle of all the MMR and I I just got dropped a lot higher than I was expecting. Um, I expected to be back in Superstar and maybe have an easier time, but uh, apparently it it pushed me up uh, quite a few ranks.
0: Did you get Grand Champ in Season 3?
1: Yeah, I did make Grand Champ in Season 3. That was the first time I ever made Grand Champ in in 2v2. Uh, And then, you know, obviously everyone says Season 3 was a meme, but that was really the first time me that despite it being a little bit easier to obtain than previous seasons or a couple seasons to come afterwards, obviously, I mean, that still meant a lot to me that, okay, even if everyone thinks that Season 3 Grand Champ is a joke of a title and an achievement, uh, you still have managed to prove to yourself that you are capable of playing at a much higher level than you previously thought. just At least somewhere
0: around there. Yeah, exactly. So... What do you think that block was that you had in season two? See, that
1: that's kind of the interesting thing about it, because, again, I, I was I didn't have that same realization uh, when pushing out of the, the lower ranks in, in preseason and season one was learning to fly. That was obviously the big block. And since. You know, the rank recalibration in season three sort of shuffled it around. I I never had that same realization of this is what's different because it just put me up there. And then uh, it was really pace of play was the first big thing I remember having to really work on. You know, you have to get so much quicker at that point um, in terms of reading bounces and going for challenges and you can't sit there like on your own half and just expect somebody to make a mistake you know you have to be able to understand what they're going to do and how you can stop it so that was the first big struggle for me Uh,
0: yes let's talk about that a little bit because i feel like that is in that is exactly where i'm at right now i'm d3 and twos and i waver like i will go all the way up to champ two div two in threes, and all, and then I'll crumble back to diamond three in threes. Like I can waver anywhere in between there, depending on what kind of mood I'm in, how aggressive I'm being with the ball, how well I'm supporting teammates, things of that nature. And I feel like all of it, especially once I get back to that champ two range, the pace of play just changes so dramatically. So for you, when you were getting more accustomed to that pace of play. Like what was it for you or what were you practicing? What were you thinking about that leveled you out and got you to a place where it wasn't like, I have to figure out a way to do this. It was, you felt more comfortable and were able to just be in that place.
1: Yeah. So, uh, a big thing for me actually, um, like I, I don't practice things in a particular way. Like I, I'm not the type of person that goes into free play and practices dribbling for three hours or even one hour. I, I don't really sit down and try and grind one particular mechanic until I've mastered it. Uh, I have sort of learned all of my Rocket League abilities through literally just solo queuing thousands of games. Um, I also don't. Hardly ever play with you know friends as teammates. Like a lot of what I've done in terms of progression has been solo queue standard, and solo queuing two v two, and solo queuing regular standard. And so I think for me that uh, was one of the big things that helped me was that I got very used to not having communication with people. I had to to learn to just look at my teammates' cars and even without quick chat communications, understand what they were going to do next. Um, you, You have to be able to communicate with your car, your intentions to your teammates so that they can make an informed decision about what to do next. And I feel that for me personally, I have a, a very good understanding of what people are going to do in general. So it's very easy for me to look at a car and be like, he's rotating back, he needs boost, he's not going to turn around in the midfield here and go for a challenge or something. Just because I look at it, I look at the distance to him and where the ball is and who's behind the ball and who's next to it. And that all kind of happens in that split second time frame where I've just done it so many times now that I have a very honed sense of what people are are going to do without, uh, with nonverbal communication, I think is a, a very underrated skill for a lot of people is just looking at cars and understanding what they're going to do so that you can make a better decision.
0: I feel, I mean, that's huge. And I feel like for my own game personally, I almost lack in that. Like some people would call that the game sense or game smarts or just understanding of the game i feel like i lack so much in that that my mechanics are almost like ahead of my game sense and like i will overcommit or take challenges that i shouldn't or you know double commit on my teammate or just be in a position that doesn't serve anybody that will end up us losing a possession or giving up a goal yeah, it's
1: a very interesting thing, because I, I play with uh, Jorby sometimes, and, and Jorby, much like you, tends to, to swing from, you know, Champ 2, and just goes on these massive roller coaster swings of, of, of <laughs> he'll drop down to Diamond 3, and then, you know, the next day, he's back up in Champ 2, and he just goes through these massive swings, and whenever I play with Jorby, I look at it, and I'm just thinking, you're trying to do too much a lot of the time is what it is. I mean, you you have to be willing to relinquish some of that control, you know, because a lot of people are like, you know, I can't trust my teammates, blah, 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 blah in solo queue. And, and when I'm trying to rank up and it, it puts you in that mindset of, you know, I have to try a, a, and make this happen. And what that results a lot of the time is you'll be the third man back, say in a 3v3 game. And what you'll end up doing is you'll push into a corner when you really don't need to because, you know, your teammates already there. He may be he may look like he's rotating out, but really he knows he has time to pick up that midfield boost and go up the sidewall and make a challenge. He knows he's got the time for that. And that's often what happens when I when I see players that go on these huge ELO swings is, is they just haven't really developed that fine-tuned understanding of when do I actually need to go for something? And you try and do too much a lot of the time. Or you also find people who you know, they feel like they have pretty good mechanics, but then they'll miss an easy play and then they get inside their own head. And then, you know, they, they just think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed that. All my teammates think I'm an idiot. And then, you know, they just go on this downward mental spiral and that just makes them play worse. And then they keep trying to do too much again, but now they're not even confident that they're going to make it happen. And it's just a huge thing about it. And, uh, So those are the two things that I see most often from people that go on big swings like that is they get inside their own head or they try and do just a
0: little bit too much. Wow. There was, there was so much good stuff there. Holy cow. So let's break some of those things down just a little bit more. So one thing that I'm really curious about is being the third man in a threes game. So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So I have a couple of friends that are probably right on the cusp. One is solid grand champ, like 1550 to 1600, I think is where he lies. And like, he, he is without a doubt grand champ every season, pretty comfortably. And then another friend of mine, I mean, I have two other friends that, you know, sit in the champ three area And could probably get grand champ if they wanted to like really warm up and grind it out, but they just don't put the effort into it. And when I play with them, uh, more often than not, it's me just like floating around the midfield backfield and then they are always somehow up in the front like passing the ball to each other and scoring the goals. And I'm just like <laughs> picking my nose. And then like if they miss or something doesn't quite go, you know, I mean, as Rocket League goes, like a pass isn't perfect or they miss a shot or something. Like I move up into the offensive side of the field, but by the time I'm like recentering the ball or something like that, they're already gone. So I'm just, again, like it, it's almost like the play is just flipped. And now everybody's on the other side of the field, even though I'm trying to center the ball back to them. So like, what does the, what does effective play look like from a third man? Or, you know, if, if there is effective play going on in the offensive side, that third man, how do they contribute to the play or what is the purpose? How can I read that better? So that I'm not just getting carried and watching my friends play the game the entire time.
1: Yeah, so that's a, a very good question, and I think one of the that that's something that you can really learn watching a lot of pro players. One of my favorite third man players, uh, definitely Justin. People think, wait, Justin's this huge offensive force, but to me, the most valuable asset for when Justin was on NRG is. Uh, Yes, he's the first one forward a lot of the time, but that also means he's the first one out. And then he lets Fireburner and Garrett G... You know, build the. Turbo Pulsa. It'll be Turbo Pulsa <laughs> sure. But at the time, at the time, it was yeah, G and yeah. Fireburner doing all the pressure. And, you know, yeah, he'll take the ball on an air dribble. Maybe he'll score it. Maybe he'll just punch it off the corner or off the backboard. And then Garrett and Fireburner will do whatever. And it's not guaranteed that Garrett and Fireburner are going to create a chance for Justin to come in and score the ball or make something happen. And Justin when he rotates out I think is one of the best third man players in all of Rocket League because it there's a there's a mentality shift that goes into third man you don't have to think about so much of oh my goodness my teammates have rotated out, I've pushed up into the offensive third, and I've centered the ball and nobody's there. That's not necessarily what it's about. I mean, the third man role to me is is your contingency plan. It's the, okay, someone's made a mistake, or they finally made a nice play on the defensive side to find a clear. You're not necessarily trying to Create a scoring chance. You're trying to buy time or regain possession. Sure, if one presents itself, great, and hopefully a teammate's there to follow it up. But you can't be thinking that, hey, I centered the ball. Why is nobody there? You have to be thinking, okay, let's make sure we mitigate the danger that we allow here. You you don't want to let that clear get over your head. You don't want to let them just uh have this easy touch on the ball and start a dribble and and f- finally get possession for their team. That's really what the third man role is, is it's the time buyer, the the reset the clock for your team and get everybody back on the same page.
0: And and that makes sense because just even as I'm thinking about it, sometimes it will just automatically be for me, okay, I'm gonna try and recenter the ball, but really that could almost be a lease uh a very low effectiveness shot or touch because I'm just giving the ball back to the opponents because my teammates aren't there. When really I could try and hold on to the ball or delay so that my teammates can get back into the play after they've gone and got boost or something to that effect.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, e- even that, you know, let's say you go up and you're going up for that challenge on the sidewall and you just punch it off the corner and it bounces into the mid and they clear the ball down to your end and you're still on defense anyway. Even that's not the end of the world. I mean, sure, you gave the ball right back to them, but obviously you can't hold onto the ball the entire game. The most right. important thing is that you didn't just allow a smooth transition of offense to defense for the opposing team. You didn't let them... Catch you uh, rotating back and not in position to deal with something. I mean, what's most important was those one to two seconds that you allowed your teammates rotating back to grab boost and reassess the situation and reposition themselves. Mm -hmm. It wasn't optimally done, but at the end of the day, you bought enough time, and that's really the most crucial point. And also, if you're playing with people that are better than you and, and you feel like you're a little bit slower, they're Corelli and I talk about this all the time with each other. There, There is a very real skill that goes into getting carried in a game of Rocket League. If you're outclassed, all you have to do is make sure not to just make some glaring mistake, you know? Like, say, again, you're stuck in that third man and they get the clear over your head. Well, it's going to be over your head, somewhere off a corner or maybe the wall. Just make sure you get the touch and make sure it's not a weak one that's right into the middle of the box for them to score. Just get back tip the ball into the corner and then let your really good teammates find the clear and go back on offense. It's really, you don't have to do too much. You just have to do your job. And if your teammates are better than you, they will be capable of picking up the slack and working
0: with you. Yeah. Yeah. And, And one thing that I've noticed with these friends in particular that actually kind of got me to the next step and noticing that my game sense kind of what you were talking about earlier and in, in terms of really paying attention to the game and what's going on and where people are is that I would spend a lot of time in our side of the field or even in the midfield just kind of driving in circles because I would always kind of be heading towards the ball as opposed to where I think the ball is going. So I would never be anticipating the play. I'd always kind of be watching the play as it happens and driving back and forth, which really got me to understand and start thinking about how can I insert myself into the play in one or two touches as opposed to where's the ball going right now and how do I attack it at that point?
1: Yeah. And one thing that really helps with things like that is, uh, in general, um, it's very easy. I call it the gravity effect. You know, you're just following the ball left to right across the pitch. Uh, and, and what helps with that is if you think of, you know, you've got three people on a team, if you are always forming a triangle with your teammates, this isn't something that I actively try and do or anything, but it will sort of help you reframe things in your mind. Like, let's say you're again in that position, sitting in the midfield ish or on your own half while your two teammates are in front of you and you see one of them rotate out. All you have to kind of know is which boost they're going to grab on your half and you know where they're going to rotate next because there's only one direction to go from that corner right in towards the middle of the field or right back up the same side they rotated on and what sort of helps you in your positioning in that sense is sort of okay wherever the ball is going next is my teammate that's behind me going to be on that side of the field or am i going to be there first and if you sort of think about just keeping this triangle formation with your teammates you'll run into a lot less of you know double committing or or you know your teammate from behind you jumping over your head as you go for that challenge against the sidewall or something because you want to make sure that if you'll be the first one to that ball in that midfield position You're not cutting across a line that they already have covered if they've got the time, you know. It's understanding when you don't have to hit the ball in that third man situation, you know. It's okay to let the ball go because nobody on the opposing team is going to be there in time before your teammate's there. And that's how you really keep a smooth flow of rotation going is understanding, do I even have to hit this ball? Is someone behind me... To, to make this play in a much more efficient manner even if I'm there first, it's okay. let the ball bounce over your head and just let them clear the ball long and just stay in your spot. You don't have to cross lines and potentially create lanes of double commit.
0: I think it's so interesting how much strategy in such a like I, I look at Rocket League as such a fluid game and yeah. it's it's so interesting to me that, and and really, what separates kind of the diamond and below, even I would even say champ one, champ two, strategy and play style in between the higher levels. Yeah, it's, it's because I, fe- cool. I feel like I'm missing that game sense, and that's what keeps me where I'm at.
1: Yeah, the the game sense is is definitely one of the the biggest things but like the game sense isn't necessarily a hard thing to learn it's just you have to see it in action a couple times you know you have to understand how it works uh before you can really be able to do it all the time you know and of course that's where you know thousands of hours of me casting professional rocket league really does help it's like even if i (laughs) <laughs> don't look at it and understand perfectly what's going on, I've seen the pattern enough times that eventually I can parse it back in my mind and think, okay, this is what's happening and that's how that works, you know. Uh, and and even if you ask the pro players, they might not even be able to articulate that. They just do it because they know it works and it's sort of instinctual. But uh, it's really the process of, you know, the difference between diamond three champ one champ two champ three grand champ obviously one there's the mechanical difference you know grand champs are going to go for the ceiling shots and they're going to hit him and they're going to put him in dangerous positions the diamond threes are going to go for the ceiling shots and they're probably going to miss the catch on the ball and it's just going to fall and get long cleared away but at the end <laughs> of the day if you're in position to make the proper play on the ball you will give yourself more opportunities to make the correct decision which is the most important thing and that's really how i operate i don't consider myself a particularly gifted player mechanically in rocket league 95 percent of my skill i would say and, and what's got me to where i am is positioning understanding whose turn it is and what needs to be done in the current moment. I don't need to try and center the ball. I just need to buy a couple seconds for everyone to get reset. And it's it's that understanding of, yes, if I can, I will, but this is what needs to happen, and executing that.
0: If you If you really wanted to, or if you were going to make the decision that you wanted to elevate your game to the next level, like really start practicing a little bit more, putting more effort into your game. Like what would, what would the next thing that you would do? What would be the next thing that you would work on? So there's two things. The one that I'm currently
1: working on is actually backboard double tap reads. Um, Okay. And for me, you know, even, even just a hundred hours ago in my gameplay, that was something I was just dreadful at and, and that always blows my mind, you know. I, I scrape the barrel of Grand Champ, I float, you know, 1530, 1560, anywhere in that range. Sometimes I'll drop down to Champ 3 and go back up. Like, I really don't ever make it to, to 1600 and can comfortably call myself a Grand Champ, you know. And to me, that's a very, at that level of play, rudimentary skill that you should have. You should be able to see where the bounce is going off the backboard, and at least you know, double tap it. You don't necessarily have to put it in the net, obviously that's ideal, but you should be able to make those reads. And what's funny is I I finally started <laughs> holding air roll every time I touch the ball in the air, and that way the ball doesn't impart force onto your car. You're importing you're imparting the force from the car onto the ball completely. There's no negation. Cause you know, have you ever had it where you're driving into the ball? And you flip off the wall, and then, like, you don't hit it with the nose, you hit it just slightly under the nose, sort of in between the front wheels, and your car just sort of bounces backwards. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't hold air roll when you touch Wait, the ball. Wait, so if you hold air roll, it negates that? Yeah, you'll rotate right through the ball.
0: It's like Just from holding air roll? Just from holding air roll, you will get a much stronger touch on the ball. and I really thought it was only that you had to touch the ball correctly to... Get, well, yes, not if, have that Well, if you touch the ball correctly, you won't need to,
1: but pressing arrow will significantly increase your chances of being successful if you're not perfect, <laughs> huh. That's very interesting. So that's just one thing I've currently been working on. And surprise, surprise, it's made the double taps a lot easier because the trajectory of my car doesn't change based on the force bounced back onto my car. All of the force is being put on the ball instead of my car. So my trajectory is much easier to control so I can follow the ball much easier towards the wall and time it properly. So what I'm currently working on is is mastering that, which is kind of just, you know, queue up for a game hit a custom training pack, maybe do one or two shots and then the game starts. And then if it happens in the game, I'll practice it there too. But you know, that's just kind of how I work. I'm not going to sit there for
0: two hours doing the same custom training pack to nail this down. And is that just a, a lack of desire to do that? Like you, Would you say that you're somebody that does actively want to get better at the game? You're just going to do it on your own terms.
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, To me, sitting in the lab and perfecting mechanics, it's a wonderful skill. And for people who enjoy doing that, absolutely. But I get far more enjoyment out of purely playing the game against other people. And to me, you know, I've got all the time in the world. I'm not trying to become the next professional Rocket League player. I would rather sit down and play the game and have fun and grind out thousands of games of rank to go up a couple ELO instead of sitting in free play for three hours even though the the second one is probably more efficient and i will get that elo gain faster i just don't want to sit down for three hours and and grind just that thing i i affectionately call it i beat my head against the wall a thousand times until i learn something (laughs) yeah
0: and you're happy doing that
1: Yeah, I'm perfectly happy doing that. It's just I get far more enjoyment playing the game than I do, quote unquote, grinding the game.
0: So I I feel I'm curious of your mindset around that then, especially the fact that you I would I would say just based on our conversation, you're usually pretty effective in games because you understand the nuances of the game. So you're usually in the right place. You can usually get touches. You're usually contributing. So then in terms of what you're working on right now, double touches, for instance, like you, you get those opportunities when you do, and otherwise you're just trying to play the game. So at any point, do you get frustrated with losses? Are you like angered by the game or is it just like a game by game and you're just taking it for what it is and hopefully like over time you know that you're going to get better or is it always like I want to be moving myself forward does that does that question make sense yeah 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 it definitely
1: makes sense like does does my want to get better ever cause me to get frustrated is sort of how I'm I'm framing that in my yeah,
0: mind yeah yeah sure Especially because you're only doing it in the game. So, like, your practice comes in games, but you're also wanting to rank up at the same time. So, like, do those conflicting desires ever get in the way of each other?
1: I mean, uh, definitely, you know. (laughs) I'm no better than any other person who plays Rocket League. Every now and again, I'll be playing a game and I'm just like, oh my god, what are you doing, you know? And sure, I'll blame my teammates from time to time. But what's important is that, you know, you never let that slip into the public setting. You never go and flame them. And it's like, does it happen a lot? No, definitely not. But, you know, to myself, I'll be like, I have no idea what this person's doing. And they're being a fool. And I'm just going to do my best. And and every now and again, yeah, that, that'll get to me. But, you know, I I think I'm a very difficult person to tilt that's... Purely just because, you know, I've, I've spent enough time, you know, playing sports in general and and not being the best at any particular game I play that I I'm very comfortable with losing. Do I want to win? Yes. But I know I'm not going to win every game. And at the end of the day, while every now and again I might get frustrated, I'm not going to tilt myself out, per se. Maybe I'll play five games and I'll lose all five games and I'll say, all right, I'm not playing my best rocket league right now let's just take a five ten minute break or something but uh it's really just that mental capacity to look at things and be like it's okay to mess up you're gonna mess up rocket league is a game where imperfection is punished And simply accepting the fact that you or nobody else is going to be perfect all the time will do wonders. You know, you're going to miss that clear off the backboard and let a goal in. You're going to miss a a slow roller, 15 mile an hour shot towards your net every, you know, 15,000 tries. But it will happen. And you might as well just laugh about it instead of just being like, oh, my God, I'm the worst. And and that's what I was sort of alluding to earlier, where people really get inside their own heads. You know, you don't have time to get inside your own head and, and tilt yourself out. If you're going to tilt, I mean, <laughs> what's the point in
0: playing a game? Do you have any was there any point in Rocket League or whatever games you might have played in the past? Like how how are you able to learn that lesson? Like What kind of thoughts or experience can you impart that could help somebody? Because I'm sure there are people out there that, that are like, that is the craziest thing ever. Like if I'm playing bad or my teammates playing bad, it makes me so angry. So what helped you if you were ever at a point where you kind of live that life to get to the point where you're just like, It is what it is.
1: Yeah. uh, A lot of it is like, it goes back to the origins of my name. I would say uh, achieves, you know, I, I I played this game called war rock and war rock. Yes. War rock. And it's sort of like a battlefield esque. Like you play on a big map. It's 16 V 16. And you had to like, capture bases and hold on to the bases and then you could spawn camp the enemy team and kill them a bunch <laughs> <laughs> but like at, at that game at level 29 uh your your player profile image like changes because as you level up your I, I don't know what you call it your badge you know changes like level one is just a, a single gray uh dash and level two oh, okay two sure. gray dashes and level 29 is the first diamond badge it's a gray diamond and at that point everyone thinks all right this person's been playing this game a long time they should be pretty good i was still terrible at like
0: when like when you're an expert in 2016 or late 2015 in rocket league and everybody's like expert lol
1: exactly exactly it's uh it's really just I I was so bad at that game at that point, and people in that game flamed me relentlessly. Like, I I was so close to just giving up on video gaming completely at that point, because I couldn't handle people being like, you suck at this game, you should go and install over and over and over. And so, you know, at that moment in time, I was, I don't know, 13, 14, something like that you know i i looked at myself and i was like all right i can either uninstall this game and stop playing video games or i can become the best player that this game has ever seen and i'm not gonna let other people you know dictate that it's it's you can only work on yourself you can't fault other people for what happens yes you can hold them accountable but you can't hold a grudge for them, and especially not in a game like Rocket League. Again, people are going to make mistakes. I know already from my countless hours of experience playing all the games that I've played, I have made infinitely many mistakes, and I know I will make infinitely many more. I I don't have the time to get upset at other people for making mistakes, because I know that give it two hours i'm gonna make the same one like why get upset at them for that just say don't worry about it hit the next ball and go kick off (laughs) don't think too much about it
0: and you learned that at 13 years old oh
1: definitely not at 13 years old that's really hindsight coming in to, to okay that was really just you know I'm gonna be. I was gonna
0: say that's really impressive if you could pick that up at 13 years old.
1: Yeah, man, I would be a Zen guru if I learned that at 13. Yeah. But uh, it it was really just that moment of I'm gonna be the best that I can be, and you know across the next you know 10, 15 years that I was playing games, I guess 10. I'm not 30 yet. (laughs) the The next 10 years of gaming, it's really just if you're gonna focus on anybody in a team game, it should be yourself. Be the best player that you can be because if you're the best player that you can be and if you're compassionate and understanding to other people, that will make them like you and want to play with you more. And as I like to say, good play breeds good play. And negative attitudes don't breed good play. So you might as well say, no problem, I got it.
0: So then... Next step would be how do you how do you work on being able to forgive yourself for making constant mistakes or like so in your in your 4000 hours how would you go about seeing something that you like that's keeping you from winning on a consistent basis and then how would you go about working on that or <laughs> like saying, okay, this is like my next thing that I need to work on. Yeah. And just be, and just being okay with that. Like understanding that.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that really goes back to, uh, you know, how I approach practicing the game. Cause for me, I, I think a lot of what's holding me back from higher elos is one, uh, quickness of reads. Like there are a couple bounces in this game that I still kind of see the ball traveling towards the corner. And I'm just like, I'm really not sure which way that's going to go.
0: Oh, the corners.
1: Yeah, and and there are people that are just instantly on it. So that ability to read is one big thing, but that just comes with experience. And again, sure, I could probably go set up a launcher in custom training and set up a bunch of different bounces and use Bakka's mod to random bounce it. Or I could just play the game and see these bounces over and over and over and eventually I'll figure it out. And, like, dribbling is another one. You know, we're 5,000 hours deep. I am still the world's worst dribbler at 5,000 hours. I I can barely keep a ball on my hood and maybe half the time flick it somewhere. (laughs) Like, those are just skills that uh, I I know that eventually I will get better at them. And if I know I'm not going to execute something, you know, I, I can... I, I am perfectly willing to laugh at myself and be like, I'm terrible. I need help. Save me somebody. And, and if, if no one's there behind me and I let a goal in, you know, I got to be like, guys, I missed that one. That's my fault. <laughs> and, and, you know, you got to You just have to own your mistakes. You can't sit there and make excuses for people and be like, why were you not back on defense to, to cover me in case I missed? Sure. Even if they should have been. And you're technically in the right that doesn't give you the right to just miss the ball and get mad at other people for it. You still miss the ball. It's, it's just, you gotta be willing to own your mistakes and laugh at yourself. And when you're playing with people who you can sort of judge and, and, and look at them and sort of gauge if they're getting frustrated, it pays real dividends to, to be like, yo, don't worry about it. Like, don't care. As I, as I tell Jorby oftentimes, cause he's a guy that gets in his head a lot. I'm like, don't care hit the ball. It's like, I don't care if you miss that one, hit the next one. Don't care, hit the ball. It's like, move on. You can't get wrapped up in things that you know you're not good at. You'll get better at it eventually through one way or the other. So it's like what they say in baseball, you make an error, don't make two. So wise. That's
0: a good one. As, As you are maybe, and I don't know how often you play with like a a champ one or a champ two, or even like a diamond two, diamond three, what would you say are like the top two or three things that somebody could work on to solidify themselves into the next, the next level of play on a consistent basis?
1: Yeah, uh, for me, obviously, that's going to be very influenced by how I approach the game. It's going to be positioning, 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 and can you go for the ball? That it'll be that fine tuning of that sixth sense in your head of what do I need to be doing right now? Does my teammate need help, or will they be able to make the play? And to be able to make that decision correctly more often than not, it's it's really just getting better at seeing distances that's really what all of that positioning and decision making comes down to you need to look at distances of cars and be able to size up near instantly What can happen in the next few seconds? You know, your teammates rotating out. How far away are they from the ball? How long would it take for them to turn around and go for the challenge? If they did that, how close is the opposing team next to that ball? And when is their touch happening? And you kind of just have to fine tune that. And you really can only do that playing the game. That's never something you're going to learn in free play. You have to go out there and you have to play and you have to focus on your decision-making, you have to look at what people are doing and understanding what's going to happen next. And, and you have to be able to act on that. And you also have to be willing to forgive people for maybe not focusing on on that as hard when they double commit over your head, it's going to (laughs) happen.
0: So then would you say that you're pretty just intuitive with that now? Like it, it just comes naturally to you or do you still think about that or, Uh, are calculating those things while while you're playing
1: for me it feels pretty intuitive at this point i feel like i have a pretty firm grasp on what any particular car is capable of at any particular moment until of course we end up in the you know ceiling shot flip reset stuff and then it's really just okay i'm just gonna jump at them and force them to do something because I really don't know what they can do because <laughs> I can't do it. like I, I can't do ceiling shot flip resets or anything. So I don't have the personal experience of how that all works to really understand the most effective defense. but I do know that I'm gonna be in position to make a challenge against them and I will hope somebody else behind me will be able to make a play. So it's it's positioning, 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 decision making. Is secondary because you know putting yourself in the right position is the most important thing you can do for yourself because if you're in the right position there's only you know two outcomes do i go for this do i not go for this and deciding which one's correct
0: man i want to ask so bad like how you break down whether like say you know you're transitioning from offense to defense and you're kind of right in that middle field area, how you decipher or break down whether you're going to challenge somebody or a fake challenge or just turn around and shadow somebody like, and it, it's just impossible to do because we don't have like a specific play and Rocket League is just not a black and white game. Absolutely. There, there's no situation that is, that is the same. So it's, it's hard to be like, well, how do you make that decision? Well, because- I feel there is actually
1: a a pretty (laughs) simple answer to that. Uh, Information. Information allows you to be obviously more informed about the current state of the pitch. Rotating back from offense to defense, you don't need ball cam on the entire time. Turn it off for a quarter of a second, get it to swivel around in front of you, and look who's behind you and see. And then continue, you know, subconsciously running those calculations. You don't have to be rotating back from offense to defense, staring at the ball. Unless, of course, you know, you know you're the last one back, then obviously do that. But if you're not sure if someone's behind you or not, look, look, turn off ball cam, take a glance. If you don't see them initially, assume they're not there. That's the only information you can act on. And the only way to gather that information is to look.
0: So, would you say that you're doing that? You're doing that on a consistent basis? Yeah.
1: I look behind me a lot. I don't use rear view very often, admittedly. Like I might use rear view on the kickoff to see which direction my teammates go to try and kick off that direction. But when I'm driving around the pitch, you know, every now and again, if I'm not sure and I've got the time, I'll turn ball cam on and off and take a look just to make sure that I know. So that if I see someone there, well, great, now I can reposition, because I know that they're in position to make a play, and I don't have to turn around a challenge. And and I think that's the the easiest, most basic thing that you can possibly do. Give yourself more information, and looking behind you is one of the greatest ways to do that.
0: <laughs> huh. So as a solo queue master, how much time do you or how much effort do you put into passing to teammates or working through teammates or things of that nature? Or do you mostly just try and play off of your teammates, like see what they're doing and work off of that as opposed to kind of coordinating it yourself?
1: Yeah. So that really depends on who's in command of the ball, obviously. You know, if you've got the ball and the dribble, then then you can sort of run those decisions. Where's my teammate? Do I see him? How close am I to being challenged? You know, it goes back to that measuring distances and the next incoming decision. Do I need to beat the man challenging me? And can I do that with a pass? If not, well, then I just have to beat the man or at least be able to make the challenge. You know, just do your job. You don't have to try and do too much. That's when you end up trying to force passes that get intercepted and you leave the net open in 2v2. It's, it's, it's that split-second decision-making. But when it comes to working with teammates, you know, say they've got the ball on the dribble in a 2v2 and you've, you're, like, right at your top of the box, you're heading towards the midfield line, position yourself. Give them the option. You have to be in front of them, off to the side, so that they can see you in your peripheral. If they don't see you, then they won't know that you're available to be passed to. Yes, it'd be nice if they did, but you don't have to expect them to pass you the ball. Like You have to give them the option in solo queue, and you have to let them know that you're there. And if they don't pass it to you, that's fine. Be ready for the challenge that's about to happen and be able to react. But you need to give your teammates the option to work with you. And if they're not trying to work with you, that's fine. Go for the challenge and let your teammate deal with the cleanup. I mean, that that's really all it is. You can only be the best player for yourself. You cannot expect your teammates to be perfect every time.
0: I mean, I can if I want to.
1: <laughs> you can if you want to, but you'll go through a lot of frustration and getting upset when they don't do what you want, because you're, you know, two people...
0: You're going, <laughs> you're going to hate this game. You will hate this game, yes. Very, very quickly, if that is the expectation. Yes, it's it's really just,
1: you know, playing solo Q2v2 or 3v3 you know, work with your teammates, don't expect them to work with you, but you can work on yourself and you can try and work with them. That's the one thing you can control.
0: Man, that is, that is some deep stuff from achieves right there. And I I think it's, I think it's super valuable at the same time and really, uh, you know, I'm kind of in your boat. Like I would just, well, I would say my first 1500 hours were just grinding games but I would do it more mindlessly than you like I I, you know I would try to get better at like aerials or backboard reads but I wouldn't really think about oh I messed up because of x so I'm going to try and fix x this time and finally it's gotten to the point where it's like all I can control is me and my mistakes and what I'm doing wrong and how can I fix them
1: yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, if you're if you're playing with your teammates that are higher ranked than you, ask them to tell you what they need you to do. It's like, if they think you're being too slow, then ask them to tell you, hey, go challenge. I just need a few seconds, just go challenge. And they'll be okay with you, like, missing that challenge just as long as you went for it. What's important is, like... If you're not sure what you need to improve on and you're playing with your teammates that are better than you, ask them. Be like, what do you need me to do so I can contribute? Because you know that they're good enough to win you this game. You just have to not get in their way and perform the functions that they require. (laughs) it, It really is an art to getting carried. And there's no shame in getting carried because it really is a great skill. You have performed your job on that team to an acceptable degree to where you still won the game at the end of the day, that's what
0: matters. (laughs) And you really can learn from that too. Like There is learning that can be done from getting carried. If you're
1: playing with your teammates that are better and they're saying, go for this challenge, go for this challenge. Wait, 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 wait. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Okay, go for this challenge. I'm going to go grab boost. You need to buy me a few times. That'll happen over and over and over. And you'll get put in a bunch of those scenarios. And eventually you start to understand. Then they won't have to tell you. Of course, they probably still will. But, you know, <laughs> over time, you know, they'll see you improving and they'll realize, oh, I don't need to tell them to do that because he's just going to do it. I already know he will. And that's right. where you get into those next levels of communication of, okay, hang on, you've got to dribble, I'm going to go for the demo. And then you stop thinking about how to play the game and you start thinking about what you're going to do in the game.
0: Yeah, because one thing I realized, because I I would get told to challenge a decent amount. And I would just wait for them to come to me sometimes or until I maybe felt a little bit more comfortable challenging. But I I realized that in a game of 3v3, even sometimes in 2v2, if it's an appropriate spot, like if you challenge, you're making them make a decision with the ball. Exactly. And Would you rather them make a decision with the ball at the midfield or right in front of your goal? So you get out to the midfield or out to the sidewall, make them make a choice and let your teammate clean it up as opposed to letting them get all the way to your box, making a decision and putting it off your backboard that's a lot harder to defend than a flick from the midfield
1: yeah in in 3v3 uh definitely don't think too hard about going for the challenges if it's your turn you know get in their face force them to make a decision in 2v2 though you know that's really where those distances comes back into play you know i i know i have a very bad habit of of being overly confident perhaps in my defensive ability sometimes and if someone's coming at me with a dribble i'll give them space i'll be like all right I'm gonna let you dribble and do whatever you want until I know that there's only one thing you can do, and that's what I'm gonna challenge you. And that gets me into trouble sometimes, but for me personally, I feel very confident in those scenarios. I I know I can I know that I can look at them and know what they're gonna do most of the time, and that serves me well. And that won't work for everybody, but you know. If you feel confident in a scenario, make your decision and stick with it. If it doesn't work out, great. You've learned to challenge earlier next time.
0: <laughs> and if you don't feel confident in a and this, this is one of those things where you have to practice in a game. It's not something that you can practice in free play. Like shadow defense in yes. twos just as much as one, ones is extremely important because if you are last back, or or allowing your teammate to rotate back you have to assume in the higher ranks a shadow position type thing and give them space allow them to do what they want to do like you said until it gets to a certain point where they can only do one thing because if they have the ability to flick it over to you over you and you're challenging like you have just given up your position yeah but that's that's the in 2v2
1: that's that's really where things like this come into play Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to give a little bit of space sometimes to buy mm-hmm. your teammate time, because you know if you immediately go try and shut that dribble down right after your teammate went for that backboard read and he's stuck in their goal or on the backboard or something and you miss, you're just screwed. Right. So make the decision, be like, all right, I'm gonna buy you a little time, give them the space, let them take it on a dribble. Maybe you get lucky and they just long clear it up the pitch and you can just go deal with the bounce off the corner or the wall or something right but every now and again you got to be willing to give space because your teammate needs time that's what needs to happen don't try and force something buy them enough time to start heading back get past the half field line and then go and challenge the ball as long as you've given them enough time to get back it shouldn't matter if you miss the challenge
0: yeah sometimes space is the best defense exactly you, when even though take. that seems kind of backwards
1: <laughs> yes
0: the give and take that
1: that's really the
0: the subtle art of, of
1: defense in rocket league when yeah. when can you give space and when do you know to take it away and it's that fine tuning of, of that decision making that is one of the most powerful tools in rocket league
0: all right well i think that is a good ending point we just gave people a lot to think about so achieves do you have any final thoughts before we we cut this thing off
1: yes uh anyone out there it doesn't matter you know what level you're at don't overthink it too much when you're playing rocket league yes you can overthink all the decision making but at the end of the day go out there have fun and hit the ball and you know don't roast your teammates too hard because it's
0: no fun when you roast your teammates (laughs) Nice. So if people wanted to uh, follow you that may not already be following things that you have going on, uh, where can people find you? Yes,
1: you can find me on Twitter at AchievesTV. Instagram of the same name if you're a fan of menswear and clothing, because that's what I post a lot of over there. huh? And uh, of course... You can find me on the RLCS broadcasts or any other Rocket League tournament I happen to be casting.
0: Nice. Well, thank you again for taking the time to hang out with me. And uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you, Tom. It's
1: been an absolute blast to get to come on here. And like I said, uh, thank you very much for asking me. And uh, I'm glad I got the chance to do a podcast again.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been a real pleasure. I think we might have to uh have you on again maybe with somebody else and we can get some good banter going in the future
1: absolutely looking
0: forward to it all right man thanks so much Perfect. thank you hey everybody thanks again so much for listening to the podcast i really appreciate it again this has been so much fun one more thank you to achieves for coming on the show with me and talking some really good rocket league We recorded this episode maybe two weeks ago, and just this conversation with him has made me improve at Rocket League so much, so I'm so grateful for him spending the time because it it helped me, so I hope that it helps one of you as well. Again, be sure if you don't already, follow Achieves on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else. I really enjoy his analysis. I think he's one of the smartest guys in the game right now, no doubt. And if you want to, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. I'm going to be posting more updates, sending out tweets of updates and questions and just different thoughts that I'm having on the game and different thoughts that I'm having about this podcast. I like the interviews, which I'm going to keep to about once a week right now, but I might be just posting thoughts that I have throughout the week and do some more monologue-type things. Let me know what you think about that idea. I'd be interested to get some feedback on it. You can find me... Or the podcast on Twitter at ChasingGCPOD. That's Chasing G-C-Pod. So follow us on Twitter. And of course, you can find the show on Spotify and now Apple iTunes podcast. Working on getting it to other places as well. If you have somebody or someplace you prefer to listen to podcasts, let me know and I can figure out a way to get it there. And if you also would like to ask a question of a guest in the future or me, you can download the Anchor app on Google Play or the App Store and find Chasing Grand Champ Podcast right on the Anchor app. And you can leave me a voice message directly and I could always end up using that in a future show. So I think that's a really cool feature that I would love to start taking advantage of. That's all I got for you guys. Thank you again so much for listening. This show has been a blast so far, and it's only two episodes in. I'm really excited for the future. And as a fun little game slash giveaway for anybody that might have made it this far, tweet at us on Twitter. Tweet at me on Twitter. The end of the show was my favorite part. Tweet that direct quote at me, and. You know what? I will buy your next rocket pass. The first person that does it, I will buy your first rocket pass. Not everybody, whoever gets to it first. Tweet at me, the end of the podcast, the end of the show was my favorite part. Something to that effect. The end of the show is my favorite part. That's the quote. Tweet that at me at the podcast, Pod. And it has to be PC only because I only have PC. Sorry if you are on console. Tweet that at me. The first person that does it, I'll buy your next Rocket Pass here in a couple weeks. Or just a little over a week. 10 days. Whatever it is. I'll buy it. Thanks again, guys. Thank you so, so much. This is a lot of fun. I'm cutting it there.